from Mount Hor, they set out by the way to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. But the people became impatient on the way. The people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? Mm -hmm. For there is no food and no water, and we detest this miserable food. Then the Lord sent poisonous serpents among the people, and they bit the people so that many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, We have sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord to take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people, and the Lord said to Moses, Make a poisonous serpent and set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten shall look at it and live. So Moses made a serpent of bronze and put it on a pole, and wherever a serpent bit someone, that person would look at the serpent of bronze and live. Well, I admit it's a little bit strange to see a bunch of people back in the sanctuary. Good, but strange. And we thank you for wearing your masks because not all of our worship team has been vaccinated, and that was one of the provisions uh, to keep everybody safe, was that we would continue to wear masks even if we ourselves have been vaccinated. So thank you, and you wonderful people at home, we look forward to the day when we are all worshiping together again. Now, probably the only thing stranger than us being back together again is this passage we have today on these serpents in the desert. And, you know, uh, this is one of the stranger, weirder passages in the Old Testament. What are we supposed to do with this story about these snakes biting the Israelites? Well, I have to admit that scholars and, and even uh, rabbis look at this passage and they don't really know what to do with it, though they think it might be, and this is a big word, an etiological tale, meaning an explanatory tale, because in 2 Kings, uh, the 18th chapter, I think, uh, the King Hezekiah has to destroy the pole with the serpent of bronze because it's become an idol. So this is probably explaining where did it come from. But regardless of that, these snakes aren't really the important thing in this story. Of course, we take a step back and we realize that these people and what they're doing and what they're thinking has a lot to say to us. This passage, like I tell you every passage in the Bible, is not a window that we're peering through and to look at these, these dumb people doing things they shouldn't do. It's a mirror in which we should be able to see ourselves. And so here are these people, they're, they're being led through the wilderness to the promised land, and they uh, apparently uh, pitch their camp in a place that has a lot of snakes in it, and people get bitten. 
And then they want to blame it on God. But of course, they've been blaming everything on God. And the heart of this story, of course, is the healing that takes place, that God is about healing. And we know this in Jesus Christ, in his teachings, that our God doesn't come in and punish us with serpents, that our God is trying to work for our good and trying to give us life and trying to take us to a better place. But we're the ones who seem somehow to often resist the good that God is trying to do. And the first thing that we should notice about these people is that they are complaining. Now, I know none of you have ever complained about anything in your life, but I think it is kind of a, a human characteristic that at times we complain about things we don't like. The problem with these people of Israel is that they begin to complain about God. They begin to complain that God has brought him to this place. They begin to complain about where is God and what is God doing. And I know that there are times in our own lives when we begin to complain about the way God is at work. We complain, just like these people of Israel. Now, I don't think it's really a problem until that complaining starts to become our whole world view. We all know some people who everything comes out of their mouth is a complaint. You know, if you watch Saturday Night Live, you can think of Debbie Downer, uh, the character who someone says, isn't it a beautiful day? And she says, oh, the pollen is so awful. <laughs> right? That, that there's this sense that she sees the world through this complaining. And the problem is when we begin to do that, we can't live in the present because the present is nothing but a complaint. The present is nothing but a place where we don't want to be, where nothing good is happening, where we don't see God at work. And so the second thing that happens when people get caught up in complaining is they begin to look backward and to turn backward People begin to look to the past as this perfect place that if we could only go back to the past, everything would be all right. Now, I need to say that memory is actually a gift from God. Right? Memory is what allows us to remember our loved ones, to remember good times and happy places and, and things we've done and people we've been with. Memory is a good thing. Memory is a, what allows us to remember what God has done for God's people from the very beginning of time and even in our own lives, that we can remember the way God has been at work in our own lives. Memory is a gift. But of course, any gift can be misused. And sometimes our memory looks back and assumes the past was a better place. Now, memories, of course, are notoriously unreliable. Uh, courtrooms know this, that witnesses see partially and they usually don't get the story quite right. In fact, if, if you sat down with family members and you said, remember that Christmas 10 years ago, or you remember that 
trip we took to the Grand Canyon, not everybody would remember it the same. We have partial memories. Some of you may actually have seen this video that shows exactly this, where they ask you to count the number of times uh, that people throw and catch a ball. And while you're counting, a gorilla, or not a real gorilla, someone in a gorilla suit, comes walking through the middle of it, goes, ah, and then goes out the other side. And 50% of the people who watch that video never see the gorilla because they're so busy, focused on the throwing of the ball. But even the ones who do see the gorilla don't notice that the background color changed and they don't notice that one of the players walked off. You see, our memories are only partial. Our memories are not complete. We look back and, you know, these people are wanting to go back to Egypt, the land of their captivity, because, my goodness, they had onions. Although I have no doubt that Daddy was sitting at the table back in Egypt saying, onions again? Can't we have a blasted turnip for once? And not only that, but how are they going to find their way through the desert, back to the Red Sea, get across the Red Sea, because I don't think God's going to part it for them to go back. And then you think the Egyptians are going to welcome them with open arms? Come on in, guys! The memories of the past and going back to the past is a place that we simply can't inhabit. But I'll tell you why people long for the past or at least one reason, because the past holds no fear. The past has no anxiety. The past is played out. We know how the story ends. And so when we look to the past, it gives us this false sense of security. When the future is filled with the unknown, we don't know exactly where God is leading us. We don't know exactly what's going to happen. We don't know exactly where we're going. Oh, but that past, there is no fear and anxiety. Even in the hard times, we know how they ended and that we made it through. And yet the problem is this. If we're so busy longing for the past, we are people who are left without hope. The future that God is leading us toward is a future that is filled with the fullness of life. The future is a place that is better we may not see it, we may not know what it's going to be, but we learn as people of God to trust in God. When we look to the past, we're actually turning back and turning away from God who is continuing to lead us to another place. You see, hope in God has to be about us having the faith and the love to continue into the unknown future, knowing that perfect love will cast out fear. Perfect love will cast out anxieties. Perfect love will lead us to the place that we're actually longing for. But we have to look with God 
to the promised land, even when we are in the midst of times that are difficult. You see, this past year, we've had our own serpents biting people. In the past year, over 500,000 people have died due to the coronavirus, and that's a lot of people. God didn't bring the coronavirus, but God is certainly working for our healing and finding a way to lead us into an even better future. But we have to choose to look to the future. We have to realize that the past is gone, but that God is giving us wonderful future, a land flowing with milk and honey. We can just trust in the living God. People of God, you and I are on a journey. We may sometimes feel like we are in the wilderness, but when we can hope in the future and remember what God has done for us all these years, we can face the future, we can face our present with the courage that comes only in and through knowing Jesus Christ and his power for each of us. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.